Thank God. I got shouting in my church last Sunday, and my voice still hasn't come back. So if, if something happens, I'm sorry if it gets loud. But sometimes I do that. I was, uh, I was thinking as Jonathan was talking, um, I've never lived in, medicine, or sorry, in Lloydminster in my life. I've never lived here in my life. But I got to tell you, uh, I hope it's okay with you, but this is so much home to us. Beth and I came here at the last minister's conference, and we were talking about it. And this is as much home as any place we've ever lived. Uh, you are our adopted family, and Beth is, is she's almost upset with me. Yeah. If, she, if she knew that she wasn't supposed to stay and preach this weekend, she'd be really <laughs> upset with me. Because, you know, she'd have to be upset with God, because it was her job to stay there and preach. So, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, but she does, she does uh, greet you, and if I don't greet you on her behalf, I'll be in a lot of trouble. So Beth says hi. All right? I can say back hi to her. Last time I took a picture and sent it to her. Do you remember that? I took a picture of you and sent it to her right during the message. It dinged right in church. <laughs> we got her. I'm not going to do it again because... Uh, Sometimes you can do something and it's okay once or twice. Something, you know, I mean, it says that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. <laughs> if I continue to do that to her, it wouldn't be well. <laughs> anyway, praise the Lord. I'm just so excited to be here with you today. I, I, uh, I've been praying and, and I said to Jonathan, you know, as, as you do when you travel a little bit, you always kind of ask, is there anything that... You, you know, you'd like me to touch or whatever. I mean, I want to be a blessing to the house. And, and Jonathan just said, whatever's in your heart. And I know that God had been already stirring some things on the inside of me. And so I'm coming to you with a message that I believe is right from heaven. And so I hope you're okay with that because uh, you're going to have to put up with it because I'm not going to deliver you anything other than what God tells me to deliver with. Okay? You all right with that? All right. I'm okay with that. And, and if you're not okay with that, I'm still okay with that. So, because uh, I, you didn't hire me. He did. So, um, he's the only one that can fire me. Right? That's right. That's the truth. Jonathan may decide not to have me back, but. No, but that's not true because I'm home. I'm teasing. Uh, let's open our Bibles, and I just want to take a look at a couple quick verses here and, and just kind of set the tone. Uh, God gave me a word for 2017 uh, for our church, and I recognize uh, within that that it's not just talking to our church, but it's talking to the church, and a lot, a lot of times it's talking to the church as a whole and everything. Uh, I always like to hear things from God, and, and I, I usually start somewhere around October, November, and I'm just kind of zoning in, okay, Lord, what's coming next year? What are we, what are we setting up for? Because I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the party late. You ever, you ever arrive somewhere, and you find out everybody's leaving? That never happened to any of you. Okay, just me. Well, I, I've been there where some things, you know, you're supposed to be there on time, and you think, okay, I got enough time to get there. The GPS says I'll get there on time, and, and get there and find out that the time had changed, or somebody sent you the wrong time, or, or you were in the wrong time zone, and all of a sudden, you arrive, and everybody's leaving. I don't ever want to be a part of the kingdom of God where the time I finally get there, everybody's moving on to the next thing. Yeah, 
I, I've seen churches that, that, you know, all of a sudden they finally connect to the, to the revival that's been happening for five years. And then they stop and they say, oh, this is it. And so then 10 years after we've gone on to the next move of God, and, and don't get me wrong, it's good to, to keep that because revival, revival starts something in us and we're not supposed to leave that there. You're supposed to take that with you. It's supposed to enlarge you and make you bigger. Every time that God brings, you think about it, the teaching revival. You think about the healing revival. You think about the things that have happened in the past. Every time that happened. Now, when God moved from one to the next, he didn't say, okay, stop teaching. He didn't say, stop healing. So these things and these moves and these things that God does to us, they're supposed to enlarge us and we're supposed to take what we learn and then move on to the next one. And I've seen some churches that I, I've, I visited a church last year and, and I love them. They're beautiful people. But the song, I, I walked in and uh, we were, I was, uh, how to, the overhead projector. Now, they were advanced with their overhead projector because the type was in three different colors. Do you remember those days? I remember when we got color on the overhead projector, it was like, wow, you can tell the different verses without actually seeing the space between them. Some of you are looking like, what's an overhead projector? <laughs> yeah, what's a CD player? <laughs> uh that was back in the days of reel-to-reel -reel and cassettes and all of those. Anyway, they sang, they sang, you know what? I looked at the projector, I looked at the song, and I realized that they were still stuck in the same place. Because I remember that song on our projector with different colors. I felt like I stepped back into the early 80s. The beat. I mean, they were advanced. They had drums. Back then, that was a little bit advanced. But they were still there. And they were still moving in that same move of God. Spirit of God was there. He hadn't left them. But there was a lot that they had missed out on along the way. And so I always, I always want to hear from God. God, what are you doing right now? What, I want to be so current with you. I don't want to be left behind. And I, f I figured out a few years ago, if I stay on the front edge, then I never get to the back edge. And I never get left behind. So I want to stay on the front edge. I know for years we've been saying there's an awakening coming. And I just knew the Holy Spirit had told me that the awakening is here. I think you ought to look around, and if you don't see it yet, it actually started back in 2016. It's here. It's now. I look around this room, and I see a bunch of faces I don't even know yet, and I realize that you've grown. Yeah. God's doing something here. You are experiencing. This is part of the awakening that's going through our nation, going through the nation of the United States. Going, it's spreading around the world. This is a global awakening that's happening. I believe it with all my heart. One of the things that he told me in that word that I gave to our church was that here, here's the phrase that just exploded, and I, I have not been able to get rid of it. It's kingdom purpose must and will for my people 
overtake culture's demands. There's a demand put on us by the culture that we live in. It tells you to live a certain way. You know, when I was a teenager, I, I laugh because when I was a teenager, uh, we would go to church and, uh, you know, you stand there with your teen buddy and, and they didn't dance and so you didn't dance. That's just a culture demand. That's what that is. You know, and then I, I went to one church where the moment the person up front started to clap, everybody clapped. They believed in following the leader. I mean, there's a spiritual principle to following your leader. And so, but they were so strict on it, they were legalistic about it, that the moment that person, I went to youth conference there. And, and so it was so funny because I just went to, I used to go to church and, and I learned, uh, it wasn't my personality, I would just soon stand there. But I learned to dance when it was time to dance because God said in his word, dance. Now today I just dance. It wasn't my particular way of doing things, but I read in the Bible, it said David danced before the Lord, and, and there's psalms that say dance before the Lord. There's psalms that say lift your hands, so I lift my hands. There's a lot of times I don't feel like lifting my hands, but I found out that when I don't feel like it, it's probably the time that I need to do it the most because there's something that breaks when I start to do it. Now, I thank God I don't have to dance like Jonathan dances. <laughs> no, I don't even know how Jonathan dances. Every time I see you, you're playing a guitar. So I don't have to stand here in church and do this. I'd play my air guitar while I'm dancing in church because I would look silly. And, and you don't have to dance like I dance. But the Bible says dance before the Lord. What does that mean? That means you ought to expend some energy in your worship. If worship doesn't cost you anything, it's not really worship. Yet the culture around you says you go to church and dance, that's weird. I'm talking about the culture in the world. You don't think they think that? Go have a meeting out in the park and everybody dance before the Lord and see what they think. Watch the cameras come out. All the phones. I'm telling you. They think you're weird because you go to church on Sunday morning. You're not sleeping in like them. That's the culture. But there's something about the kingdom that has to overtake all of that. Kingdom's purpose must, over, must and will, God said to me. Must and will for my people overtake culture's demands. It's, it has to do with so much more. I'm talking about some simple things like whether we raise our hands in church or whether we dance or whether we give. You know, if you told them how much you give, some of them would freak out. Just get yourself a, an unsaved heathen uh, accountant and see what happens when you, when you tell them, I tithe, and then I, and then I give more than my tithe. They go, what? But it works. It works. A good friend of mine, he, 
He moved to Prince Albert when we were there, and, and quite honestly, his, his three kids, his three older kids, had to get, uh, well, his three kids, they had to get paper routes so that they could actually put food on the table. They were in, hard, they were in a hard place. Low-income housing and trying to find work, and it was, it was, he's qualified, he's educated, had lots of things, but just couldn't get a job, and so he did that, and he started coming to church, and and you know what? He started tithing, and something began to shift. His wife got into real estate. She sold a few houses. They bought a house, and they owned a house kind of for the first time. And, and, and the kids all of a sudden didn't have to work anymore. And then one day he come to me, and he said, Gary, look at this. It, it's, it's so cool. He works, for, he works at a government position. And he didn't have the qualifications for the government position. He works at the penitentiary there. This is, this is a great testimony. Because, you know, government, they have rules and regulations for everything. Yeah. And so he said this opening came up above him, and he didn't qualify. And they said, well, uh, you're, the, you're the only guy we have, so we want you to come in and, and do the just be the acting administrator in this area. He said, okay, I'll do that. And it, was great. it had a great raise to it. All of a sudden, he jumped, and he was making a lot more money. And he said, thank you, Lord, for this season. And uh, they said, it'll be at least six months to a year before we find someone. So you'll get to act in this position for a while. So thank you, Lord. Coming to the end of that, and they said, we want you to apply. He said, I don't have the education. I don't qualify. Your own thing. Say, I don't qualify. Now, this is a position within the federal government in institutions all over Canada. One position in the, in the city of Prince Albert, and they said, we know you don't qualify, but we want you, so we're changing the qualifications across the nation. That's how he come to me one day. He says, look, it's, it's January. You're talking about the receipts. You know, I, even, even if I didn't submit them, I think you should submit them. Just like Jonathan, I think, I think it's just wisdom. And, and I'd give either way. Yeah, You've got to have that heart. That's right. You don't give for that tax receipt, but you ought to, you ought to take the tax receipt and do the smart thing with it. But he came to me one day in, in January. He says, look, 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 look. And I looked and I said, that's, that's really good, man. That's like, wow. He says, I just tithe more than I made the first year that I came here. <laughs> that was just his tithe. Wow. He was so excited, and that was like eight years. That's not a long time. But this is what God's kingdom does for you. See, we can, we can operate. Here's the thing is that we are kingdom people. The Bible says you're in the world, but you're not of it. But if we are not careful, we'll be of the world while we're in it. Because culture starts to tell you how to live. Culture starts to tell you what you should think. Culture starts to tell you uh, how you should act and what's okay and what's not okay. But culture's not right. Not very often. Not unless you're talking about the kingdom culture. So I've found that if I really want to do something for God, I've got to 
connect with the purposes of the kingdom. Okay, are you in Matthew? Did I say Matthew yet? Did I say anything yet? Did I tell you to go anywhere? Oh, what a preacher. He doesn't even open his Bible. I can't believe you'd have a guy like that in your church, Jonathan. You're learning, hey? Matthew chapter 4. I want you to understand what's happened here. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And, you know, Jesus lived his life. He obeyed his mom and dad. He did what he was supposed to do for all of those years. He gets to the age of 30. And uh, he goes to see John the Baptist. He baptizes him. And Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. And you remember, don't ever forget this. Jesus walked on the earth as a man. Everybody say, Jesus was a man on the earth. This is so important. This is so important. Because you can't look at him and say he did everything he did as the son of God. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And, and at that point, Peter returns, you're the Christ... You're the anointed one. And so what he's doing is he's helping us to see something. Now, okay, before I get there. So what's happened is Jesus, he's born, he's lived his life to this point. He's 30 years old. He gets baptized at that point. The Holy Spirit comes on him. He receives the Holy Spirit just like you did when you received the Holy Spirit. And now with the Holy Spirit in his life, he begins his ministry. All right? Well, he, he goes out first, and he's tempted by the devil. He beats the tar out of the devil. You know what? I, I think there's a missed point in ministers today. You ever wonder why ministers fail? You, know, you ever wonder? You wonder, sure. I think, I'll just talk to you. Yeah, you know, I wonder that. Yeah, 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 you know, I'll tell you why. It's because they have unproven character. See, Jesus went up against the temptations before he started his ministry. He defeated the devil first. He proved his character, what was on the inside first. This is why it's important you go to church and you have a strong pastor and strong team over you that, that challenge you and builds you. And I've got a number of young guys in my church right now. They, they feel called of God to be pastors. Thank God. They want to start churches. Thank God. They, and that's a really good thing, but you know what? It takes a certain kind of steel on the inside of you. It just takes a certain kind of strength. It's one of the things that sometimes in this, in the younger generation that you see, uh, and maybe I don't even want to say the younger generation, just in the world that we live in today, entitlement isn't about age. Entitlement's just about the world we live in today. I know, I know seniors who are living entitled. I have an entitlement mindset. And, and that's pretty weak, actually. And, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, for me, when I left Medicine Hat, or left Prince Albert to go to Medicine Hat, uh, we had it pretty good in Prince Albert. Actually, things were going really well. And, and the prognosis of our future where we t would take over and everything, it looked really good. It looked like we were set. 
And God said, okay, now that everything is good for you, now that you're making a good way, you got a good house, you got everything's going really well, your family's taken care of and all that, he said, I want to move you to Medicine Hat. So we moved to Medicine Hat, a church that used to be around 300, and then it was at 8 when we got there. And he said, I want to move you from all that you have and put you there. And it looked like everything was going in the wrong direction. I effectively, I've told you this before, but I effectively preached this down to two, and things were really just going. <laughs> we were in the right direction. It didn't feel like it. I got to tell you, there were moments in there where it felt really bad. Things felt like I was, Jesus, why have you ta- forsaken me, it felt like. Did I do something wrong? But there was a kingdom purpose. And that kingdom purpose was driving me. I, I was thinking about this with husbands and wives, and sometimes we talk about how, you know, wives, they need security, and they need... You know what? They don't get their security out of the house that you build them, although you ought to build them a nice house. You ought to, you ought to take care of them. Well, Brownie, you're probably a good example of this. The, the relationship that you have and how you lead gentlemen, that's where they find their security. Because sometimes God will take you to the backside of, of the wilderness that just looks like nothing's there. And he'll say, okay, I want you to start something. My wife couldn't find her security in the house because we didn't have a, well, we had a 25,000 square foot house in the church. <laughs> we lived in the church for five years. But I had to learn how to lead and I had to learn how to have a kingdom purpose in my own heart and how to help her to have that same kingdom purpose. There were struggles for both of us along the way. I had to ask God, God, I'm not taking care of my family. It feels like I'm not taking care of my family here. How can this be right? How can this be right? But I imagine Jesus standing there at the whipping post, and they're whipping him. I imagine he could say, God, this feels like it's not right. I could imagine when they put that cross down and they threw him down on it, and they began to nail his hands and his feet. I could imagine, I could imagine he could say, this doesn't feel right. I don't feel like the victorious, triumphant one that you said I am. But kingdom actually extends over those things and causes us to be strong enough to go beyond our feelings, go beyond our thoughts. You know, you're born again. You're a three-part being. You're man. Uh, as, as a man or a woman, you are spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. I don't have to teach all that. I'm sure you're well taught around here. But the soul, that part where you feel, where you think, where you make your decisions, that's a really important part of you. But it's not made new. Your spirit man's made new. You Matthew chapter 4. I should read a verse here. I just felt like I should read a verse. (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's go to verse, uh, 
where should we start, Jesus? Let's start at verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. From that time, Jesus, he's been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's now uh, out there. He's defeated the devil in the temptations, and he won over him, proven his character. And, and that's what I, that's, I was talking about that briefly for a minute. I think, I think you ought to prove your character before you get into the ministry. Because I see a lot of people, see the people that fail when I begin to look at them, they begin to say things like, well, I didn't have anybody to talk to. It's not that they didn't have anybody to talk to. It's that they didn't feel like they could talk to anybody. They didn't know relationship. They had not dealt with their own insecurities well enough to be able to talk to somebody. Character develops, true character that is developed gets past your insecurities. So the reason a lot of ministers fail today is because they're not really out there for a kingdom purpose. They're out there because they're talented at what they do. And their gift takes them where their character can't sustain them. So to answer your question that you so adeptly asked earlier, Jonathan, the reason a lot of them fail and they fall because they don't have the character to stand. And so when the enemy comes and tempts them, this is why you as a leader need to take these, these other ministers, young, old, it doesn't matter. They feel called to the ministry. You got you to gotta put the screws to them a little bit. This is what we do as leaders. And that's not a bad thing. It's going to touch things in our heart that don't feel good. But the thing about correction, the thing about correction is that it's a good thing. Without correction, I'm wrong. Think, that's, that's really not rocket science. When I'm wrong and get corrected, now I'm right. Yeah. right. Yeah. That's, that's what repentance is. That's right. that's when I'm wrong and get corrected, now I'm right. I don't want to go through life wrong. Yeah. Nobody ever wants to be wrong. You ever have one of those arguments with your wife? Not arguments, discussions with your wife. <laughs> where, you know, you say, well, back in, in 1998... On June the 5th, we did this. And she says, no, it wasn't June, it was August. And you say, no, no, I'm sure it was June. She says, no, no, it was August. And you go home and you're looking in your calendar and you find out, oh, man. You, you know, I don't know about you. Uh, part of me <laughs> wants to prove myself to her. No, I'm right. This, I got to be right this time. I've been wrong so many other times. But I go back in my calendar. I'm going to prove it. I'm right. And then it's right there in August. And you say, oh, because I don't like to be wrong. <laughs> I, I, I grew up, and uh, in, in, uh, some of my relations and family circle, uh, on the one side, they, they like to argue. Uh, I can remember a lot of arguments. And not, you know, we'd argue and everything, and at the end of the day, we'd all just love each other. It was weird. But <laughs> there's something I learned in that. You know, I could argue, I could argue, I, I can argue really well. I can debate really, really well. As a matter of fact, I can win the debate even when I'm wrong. <laughs> I can. I had to learn not to do that with my wife. 
Uh, Jesus, he begins his ministry with repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom's here. It's, it's, it's right at hand. It's just, about, it's just about to happen right in front of you. It's right, in, it's right at hand. He makes statements like, seek first the kingdom of God. We go down a little bit further. Um, let's say verse, uh, what is it, 33 there. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Everywhere Jesus went, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He spoke about the kingdom of God. When you begin to see when he's giving parables, in a, like the parable of the sower, what's he talking about? He's talking about how the kingdom of God works. You take the word of God and you plant it as a soil, as a seed down in the soil of your heart. And if your heart is receptive, and you see, if it's not receptive, you might get a quick little plant, but the roots don't go down deep. You've got to plant that seed deep down into your heart. And the deeper it goes, the, the better the root system, the more it is able to actually produce in your life. This is how the kingdom of God works. And when they said, well, we don't understand this thing, he said, if you don't understand this, how do you understand any of the parables? So, I mean, guys, this is basic stuff. This is basic kingdom living. Now, the kingdom, you know, uh, I always think really simply about it. What does kingdom stand for? It's the king and his dominion. The king and his dominion. What did, what did God say back in Genesis about man? He said, let us make man in our image and let them have what? Dominion. dominion. So the king is actually setting up something where we would have dominion. We're going to have dominion over the earth and subdue it. We're going to bring it under subjection to the authority and the rule of heaven. So that everywhere I go, I'm supposed to expand the authority and rule of heaven. I can remember uh, having somebody come to me and saying, you know, my job is just so hard. It's just a hostile workplace and my boss is mean and the people are mean and, and everybody's always arguing and fighting. Uh, will you pray with me so that God will find me a new job. And I, I can remember when I was young in the ministry, I said, oh, yeah, let's pray. But somewhere along the line, I, I was still young in the ministry. Thank you, Jesus. When this happened, I was in my 20s. And I, and I realized something. I thought, the next person that came to me and asked me that, I said, no. And they looked at me and said, what? I'm in a prayer line. Will you pray with me for a new job? Because it's just hard and everything's, you know, people aren't nice and they don't like me. And my boss, he's, he's he, you know, he's not treating me well. I said, no, I'm not going to pray for a new job. And it's a surprised look on their face, like most of you right now. Uh, <laughs> well, why wouldn't you pray for me? I said, oh, I will pray for you. But I'm not going to pray for you to have another job. I'm going to pray that you will be a light in that darkness. And you will affect that place for the kingdom of heaven. And all of a sudden, they, they, they had this kind of dumbfounded look like, what? This is a whole new concept. 
You see, but, but you and I are supposed to have this concept built in us. We're supposed to be thinking like this all the time. Matthew and Mark, when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. This, this, what do you think that means, take up your cross? There have been lots of great messages about, you know, dying to self and all of that. And it, and it, it, it does play out true. It does. It's okay. But I was, I was thinking about that one day. And, and if I take it literally, it means that we're all supposed to go be crucified. Well, I know that's not true. Because Jesus was crucified, he suffered death, so I don't have to. You're with me, right? And when he, uh, uh, so he died, so I don't have to, like that. But at the same time, I read about the apostles and some of them were crucified. As a matter of fact, if you look at the 12 apostles, 11 of them died horrible deaths. That's not great odds for us if we're going to live for the kingdom. <laughs> As apostles and prophets and pastors. Yeah, I mean, some of you might get off a little easier than us, but Jonathan, I'm sorry. Being in the ministry, everybody wants to be in the ministry. Well, let's look at our leaders. <laughs> you ought to gauge that before you decide I want to be a pastor, an apostle. I want to be an apostolic voice to the nations. Okay. You ready? But the... The thing about that is, is that what he said was, now, they don't even know yet. They don't know Jesus is going to the cross to die. They don't know, they don't understand yet about the kingdom that will come where man is redeemed by the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. To Jesus, the cross, he already knows it's coming, and the cross is his assignment. But to man, to those guys, they don't know that yet. And so when he says, if you want to follow me, you want to be a follower of Christ, how many of you are followers of Christ today? Amen. If you're a born-again believer, you're a follower of Christ. You said, Jesus, be my Lord. You're going to be the boss of my life. I'm going to live the way you tell me to live. You're my example. Okay, take up your cross. You're going to do that. Take up your cross and follow me. Well, the cross was Jesus' example, or sorry, was his assignment. What is your assignment? The cross was how he expanded the kingdom of God in the earth. That was his assignment. When you look at ministry, and, and we understand now as ministers, a lot of times I, I get with ministers and they say, well, my ministry to this and my ministry to that. And, and sometimes I got to stop and say, well, you do realize it's not really your ministry. As the body of Christ or as a part of the body, it's his ministry and you just get a piece of it. And the minute you start thinking it's my ministry, your head starts to swell. Because I was called to something that Jonathan wasn't. Yeah, so? What's your point? Because it's his ministry. He may have called you to it, but he could, he could remove that pretty quick, actually. I know the, no, listen, I know the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. 
But I've seen guys who, who had the hand lift off of them because they forgot about kingdom. They forgot about doing things God's way. This, this thing about take up your cross and follow me literally means then that I don't get to decide what I'm going to do with my life. When I wake up in the morning, it's not, okay, what do I want to do today? Every day I ought to wake up and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? When I talk about culture, I was, I was telling Jonathan, I was reading an article this uh, about a week, week and a half ago, and in the States, there's some colleges, and, and I, I, I don't imagine Canada's any better at the moment, do you think? I was reading about some courses, um, Masculinity 101, and you know what the description of it is? <laughs> Learning how, or sorry, unlearning toxic masculinity. True masculinity is not toxic. It's not. They, they have set up at a couple of universities in the States. They've set up safe places so that if you feel like being a man, you feel like standing up, you feel like leading, oh, you come, sit in this safe place, and we'll help you get rid of that. <laughs> I said, I read that, I thought, I got so mad on the inside of me. Because, but that's the culture of today. They want emasculated men who don't know how to stand up and lead. They don't want real men to be men. And they don't want real women to be women. Or sorry, they don't want women to be real women. Well, you can't tell me what to do. I can do anything a man can do. That's true. I, don't, I never said you can't. Do you know the real, the greatest a liberator of women in all of history? Do you know who it was? Jesus, Jesus Christ. Nobody leveled the playing field like Christ did. Because he said, there's no male, no female, no Jew, no Greek. No, there's, there's no separation between you. Culture around us today is always trying to put in these divisions. It's always trying to make this like that and this. But you know what? You know, because it says, well, men who are men, they're, they're just, you know, they're too hard. They're not, they don't know how, to, they don't know their feelings. You know, wait a minute. Jesus, the toughest man who ever lived. Absolute toughest man who ever lived. I don't know anybody else to go through what he went through when it wasn't even his thing. Willingly. Not like, not, and absolutely not just, well, maybe I could get out of this, but absolutely he's hanging there on the cross. And anywhere along the line, he could have said, God, just send the angels. And they would have wiped out the earth and started again. But he said, no. And he took it all for you and I. Toughest guy that ever lived. You start looking through the Bible and you see, you go back and you look at David and the, guy that, the guys that came to him, they were in debt, distressed, discontented. And then in a little while, all of a sudden, they become the mighty men who David had. When people start getting kingdom mindsets, they become strong. You want to talk about strong women? 
We got Deborah. We got, I mean, all through the Bible, people who do things God's way get strong. Priscilla and Aquila, yes. Priscilla straightened out the doctrine of men wherever she went. Yes. She's a smart woman. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine, I, I just, I want to sit in a room with her and ask her some doctrinal questions someday. <laughs> Here's it. Uh, okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, so, <clears throat> where do you think I mean, we're all at a position in life. How do you think you got there? You got there because of what you see. Not with your eyes, but what you see in your own heart. The dreams, the visions, the thoughts. And now they started as thoughts. We get thousands of thoughts go through our mind every day. Thousands and tens of thousands of thoughts go through your mind every day. The difficulty, well, let me just actually talk about this progression for a sec. The thought comes, and if I allow it to stick for a minute, it becomes an idea. An idea that sticks a little while will actually become a concept that I live by. Begin as something that, that, that starts to, I can start to conceive a picture. Quick thoughts. They fleet through your mind like crazy. But if it ever lands, it will conceive and it will birth a thought. Those thoughts then become concepts in our lives. I was praying about this one day. God gave me this little progression. The concept then, if I'm, if I'm not careful, uh, it will become, well, even if I'm careful, uh, that concept that I dwell on will be conceived and it will begin to develop pictures. It will be begin to develop uh, dreams it'll develop visions for my life and that's that's how i ended up where i am today you might have had a fleeting thought it might have came from somebody else who said you'll never amount to anything but if you allowed that thought to come into your own heart and you began to think about it for a while it became one of the ideas of you you began to have that idea about yourself you'll never amount to anything and then as, you, as that rolled around, it would conceive something in you, which is that concept, and you begin to have this picture that would develop into the actual vision for your life. It's hard to think of having a vision of being nothing. But it happens for a lot of people because they started out with the wrong thought. Okay, I talked about the word concept in there. There's a word that I want you to hear. The Bible says that we are built up line upon line and precept on precept. Before a concept comes a pre-beforehand, a precept. And the precepts come from the one who had the original idea. There was an original creator. And he had a great idea. As a matter of fact, when he finished making you... He finished making mankind. He said, it is good. I've done a good thing here. It's complete. It's right. It's good. You with me so far? So now, that same creator wrote us a manual. And this is full of precepts. 
And if I don't take my concepts, I don't take my original thoughts, I don't take my ideas, I don't take my visions and filter them through the precepts of God, then I can end up with the, I can end up being of the kingdom of heaven, but living like I'm of the kingdom of the world. And that's a dangerous spot to be because at that place, I, I'm, I'm not affecting the world around me and expanding the kingdom everywhere I go. I got to think of myself. Walking into my job, if, I, if I'm uh, in a place that's hostile or if I'm in a place that it's just, you know, depressing or whatever, I got to think of myself walking in there and taking the kingdom of God with me. But before I can do that, I've got to see myself for who I am in Christ. All right. Um, I think it's Romans chapter 5. Let me double check here. Thank God for the word, right? What time did I start, Jonathan? What time do I stop, Jonathan? That's probably the more important question. When we're done. <laughs> I got a revelation one day. Paul preached until a guy fell out the window and died. <laughs> I've never preached that long. <laughs> Do you know what else? You'd think that would be a sign, okay, I guess it's time to stop. As a matter of fact, in today's world, that's what would happen. You better stop now. And in those days... He just went down, raised the guy from the dead, and started preaching again. I'm not done. You're going you're gonna to stay here till I'm finished. <laughs> I bet you're looking excited. You're just excited about the rest of my message now, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. All right. Uh, where was I going? Matthew chapter 5, I think. Yeah, chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace, uh, they have received, number one, abundance of grace, and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through, Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus. Through the one, Jesus Christ, sorry. You got it up here? Oh, there it is. For if by the transgression of one, that's Adam, death reigned through the one. Uh, I ask this only because some people haven't quite caught on to this point, but a lot of people think that the, they died spiritually the first time they sinned. And there is that, there is that, uh, you know, teaching out there that, you know, you're born and, and everything. The first time you sin, you die spiritually. But that's not the truth. You were born into death that's right. because of what Adam did. Amen. 
It's not like if you could just get it right, you would have never entered into it. You were condemned to this thing. By the transgression of one, death reigned through the one. When he committed treason against the kingdom of God and said, I submit myself and all of my descendants into the kingdom of death. That's an that's a awful, awful thing. But God had this plan. He said, even before the beginning of time, you're talking about Ephesians. I love Ephesians because it says, even before, God knew you before time, he, he, he predestined that you would come into this. Now, some people think that means he predestined you and you and you, but he didn't predestine those people out of the world. That's not what it says. When it says he predestined you for this, he's predestined all of mankind. God would that all be saved. And it's only, but he also gave us a free will. And so when my will lines up with his will and I make Jesus Lord, then I come into this whole new life. The two just have to work in concert with each other. But for if, if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, much more, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, uh, what is the grace of God for? There's different aspects to grace. God's willingness to use his power and ability on our behalf, even though we don't deserve it. You know, and a lot of times we talk about it from the perspective of even though we don't deserve it. And, and that's true. We don't deserve it. But really, that's kind of the mercy side. The reality is, is that grace is God's power available to you. Yeah, you're saved by grace. You're saved by his power, not by your strength. That's why we can say, uh, we, we know that scripture, not by works of righteousness, things we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Saved us how? By his power, by his grace that's available to you. So now... By one man, Adam, death reigned. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Reign? What? Wait a minute, who reigns? Royalty. Royalty reigns. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Thank God for the word, right? Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. I'm going to say a few things, and we're going to tie it all together for you in a minute, okay? And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Has made us kings and priests. How about, let's jump over, I think it's chapter 5 here. Verse 
verse 10, and hath made us kings and priests to our God. He's made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. We don't just reign when we get to heaven. We reign on the earth. And I was thinking about this in, in just in the last month, and, and God said something to me. He said, this is why I'm not the king of subjects. Because I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. And so the, here's how the kingdom works. The king has put royalty on the earth and expects royalty to take the authority of heaven and subdue the earth. Because you and I are kings and priests. Many of us want to be priests. It's been a lot of teaching in the last little bit about being priests and worship and, and, and finding our place and, and seeking God and everything. And that's, that's a good thing and we should. Don't, don't ever lose that. You ought to seek God with everything that's in you. But when you do, you're going to find out that he's a king and he's made you Royalty. I use the word royalty because today uh, a lot of people, if I just say kings all the time, some people will say women are left out. I'm not saying that. Listen, it goes with the bloodline. You, you try to go tell Queen Elizabeth she's not the one who's really in charge. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a bad day for you. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to him because he's really in charge. He's the man. Really. You're going to find out real quick who's in charge. And you and I have to understand that we are kings. We are lords. Uh, so then I'm talking some more to Jesus about this and in the Holy Spirit, and, and, and I, he says, You're the, I'm the Lord of lords. And I began to think about, I began to think about those, those days of knights and lords and kings over in England. I began to think about the lords and what their responsibility was. It was to protect the subjects. But he's not the king of subjects. He's the king of kings. And the, not the lord of subjects. He's the lord of, well, who are the subjects? You know, if there's somebody on this earth that doesn't know Jesus, they're subject to this, the, the world's kingdom. Right. They're subject to death. And you, as a son, daughter, royalty of another kingdom, as a, as a lord over the areas of influence that God has given you, you have a responsibility then to do what those lords did. You have a responsibility to protect them. You have a responsibility to provide for them. Well, I can't provide for them. No, I'm not talking about you paying the rent. Although if Jesus tells you to pay the rent, you ought to pay the rent. But that's not what I'm talking about. What is it that they really have need of? They have need of Jesus. They have need of healing. They have need of hope. They have need of joy. They have need of faith. And these are the very things that you are, uh, you are endued with from heaven. 
This is a part of the kingdom that you live in. But you cannot do that unless you recognize that you are royalty, unless you recognize who you are in Christ. It's, well, I don't know if I'm there yet, Pastor. You know what? It's really not about being there yet because you are there. Uh, you know, none of us are there I, to say we're there yet. This, going back to um, where were we there over in Romans 5, 17, the word reign, you know, let's just back up for a sec. Uh, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one. I want you to hear this now. The word reign is the uh, Greek word basilio. I'm looking at it here because I don't know how to spell it unless I do. I'm, my name's not Jonathan Bounds. I think you speak half Greek, don't you? <laughs> He's one of my smartest friends. Uh, Basilio, B-A-S-I-L-E-U-O. Basilio. Why is that important? Because it's the word we get basilica from. It refers to a kingly judicial rule. So when it says that you are, you will reign in life, it's talking about you having a place where you have this judicial rule in your life, a kingly, royal, judicial rule. Now, we have a, a common friend, Ben Atticubi, in Calgary. Ben's an interesting guy. Ben grew up in England, um, uh, but his family is originally from Africa somewhere. And he was telling me a story one day. He uh, had never really been there, didn't know where the family was from, had never been to his hometown where his dad grew up and all of that. He he just lived in, he had lived in England and he knew his dad and his dad had all these stories as most parents do, you know. Uh, you guys got it so easy these days. We had to walk to school three miles uphill in the snow both ways, right? In the middle of summer. Uh, and so he had all them same stories. Oh man, we had to do the dishes. We had chores. We had all of this to do and everything. And you guys got it so easy these days and and so then one day when Ben was older, I think he said he was in his 20s, he went down to uh, Africa for a family, it's kind of a family reunion, a wedding. It was a, a wedding. And so it's kind of wrapped up with a family reunion. And he's talking to his aunt. And he meets his aunt and, and he gets to spend some time with her. And, and, and she says, do you know you're royalty? He said, what do you mean I'm royalty? She said, you're, royal. you're part of the royal line in our tribe. You are royalty. Your father was royalty growing up. If he hadn't left, he'd have a position in the court. What do you mean? What, what are you talking about? Dad grew up, he, he had it hard, he had to walk to school, he had, you know, no clothes, it, you know, no, no new clothes we had to go through. She said, are you kidding me? She said, your dad wake up in the morning, he wouldn't have to run his bathwater. He didn't pick his clothes, they put them out for him. He, if he wanted to, they would dress him. He said, 
what? <laughs> Dad? He said, well, you learned, didn't you? <laughs> but he was royalty. He didn't wake up in the morning. His dad didn't wake up in the morning and wonder, I wonder if somebody's going to make me breakfast. He woke up in the morning and said, I want this for breakfast. Because he was royalty. You ever sit at your closet and wonder, I don't know what to wear today. He never even had to ask that. Just get me something to wear. That would, that would save a lot of marriages. <laughs> I have nothing to wear. What he means is I have nothing clean. What she means is I have nothing new. And <laughs> I made a mistake. It was a funny mistake. Should I tell you about it? Well, we're young in our marriage. I'm going to tell you anyway. We'd only been married for a few months, and I ended up taking a school trip with the students down to Texas and everything, and we'd only been married for like three months. And while I was down there in Texas, I found this box. And it was, it was basically just two blocks, and the one was a lid to the other block, but it was solid. There was no space inside it. And it said on the outside, it said, for the woman who has nothing to wear. <laughs> to say, you know, it was, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me already. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Sorry, John. I gave it to my wife, and, and I said, this is so funny. Here's a, I found this for you. She laughed. At, uh, uh, I laughed, and she looked at it and said, that's not funny. <laughs> Out of my humor, that was funny. It wasn't so funny to hers. Because I realized, before I left already, I realized that we were sitting there and she's looking in the closet and I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the closet with her and she says, I have nothing to wear. And I said, well, what about that, 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 that? So here's a box. Because you always have something to wear. Well, she didn't find it funny. Sorry, I digress. Back to what I was going for. Within our culture, we have all kinds of different thoughts. We have all kinds of different things. We have, we say things and we see things around the world in us. But God has a kingdom purpose for our lives. And it is to reign in this life. When he says occupy till I come, he's actually wanting you to expand his kingdom. It doesn't mean that you just take whatever's given to you. It's not like, like we think of occupy. I'm just going to occupy this space. But when he thinks of occupy, he says, when you look around and you see something that's not of my kingdom, I want you to go and I want you to take that back from my kingdom. Because that's what an occupying force does. If the enemy comes in and tries to take something back, he goes out and pulls it back. That's what an occupying force does. And so now, as kings and priests, as royalty... We are to reign in life through one Jesus Christ. By the abundance of grace, by his power, 
and the gift of righteousness. I like the fact that it's a gift of righteousness because it's not dependent on my performance. It's dependent on him. Because one man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and, and 21 talks about one man and what he did, we were made new creatures in Christ and we were made righteous. No amount of doing on our part gets us out of being sinners. We are out of being sinners because of what Jesus did. But now that means that we are royalty. I want you to listen to uh, Romans 5, 17 from the Living Bible. It says, The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all. But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. They are kings of life. They are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. Yet, I want you to hear Hebrews 10, 12 to 14. It says this, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, uh, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, talking about Jesus again, he has perfected forever, so you are perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. He has perfected forever. It's a done deal. Those who are being sanctified. One of the reasons that this is so important is because most of the world today is looking at it from two perspectives. They're saying either I have to do something in order to get saved or I don't have to do anything because I am saved. But neither one of those is really accurate. I am saved and I don't have to do something to get saved. I do something because I am saved. I am Absolutely, oh, it's, it's in Hebrews 10, 14, it, where he says, I am already perfected, but I'm still being sanctified. I am perfected in him, but I'm still being, I'm in this process of working out my own salvation, Paul said. Each one of us has the job of working out our own salvation. We're still being sanctified. Let me read Ephesians 2, verses um, 4 to 10. But God, who is rich in mercy because, he is, uh, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. So apparently I do have to do something. But I don't do it to get something. I do it because I am something. 
Somebody uh, come and play a piano or something, Jonathan, whatever you got. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beforehand, before time ever began, God had a plan for your life. He said, I want you to subdue the earth, and I want you to build the kingdom. I want you to take the kingdom everywhere you go. So when God said to me earlier this year, when he said, this would be a year for kingdom purpose and my people to overtake culture's demand. I began to see how throughout our church and throughout, you know, if any one of us says, well, we just don't have any of the world's culture in our church. If we have people in our church, we have some of the world's culture there. It doesn't mean we invite it. It doesn't mean we accept it. It doesn't mean all of that. But guess what? I came in, and so I brought stuff with me. I, I, it's, it's okay. I, I'm not saying it's all bad because some of it's not all bad. But if it ever contradicts the kingdom of God, then there's a problem with that. When I was preparing to come down, I, I saw something in the Spirit. So if, if you're here and you're... I, I'd like all the men to come up front with me for a second. I just want to address something within our culture. I talked about it briefly. Uh, within our culture, the world wants emasculated men. The world doesn't want men who stand up to be real men. When I say that, the difficulty is, is that culture has told us that men, that means you're strong and you're aggressive and you're a scrapper and all of that. And you know what? Men do scrap from time to time. I, I know... When I was young, we have a disagreement. We go outside, we scrap, we come back inside, we're best friends again. We get over it. There's something about that and everything, and it's okay. And I have four boys at home, and, and they do that every once in a while, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. What I saw when I was praying and when I was been coming for the last week and a half, I saw this. When culture says, don't be a man, masculinity is not a good thing. God says, I made you with a purpose. God wants kingdom men. So this morning, I want to do something. I want to pray over you. I'm not going to take a long time with this. I'm going to come really quick by you, each and every one of you. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying, that he's calling you to stand up and lead. He's calling you to be released in your manhood. Jesus, toughest guy who ever lived. Shortest verse in the King James Bible says, Jesus wept. I think it stands out because it's the shortest verse, but I think it stands out for another reason that's even more important, is that the toughest guy who ever lived was not afraid of his emotions. He wasn't afraid of his feelings. Today, culture says, men, 
you, you got two sides. One is you ought to be so in touch with your, your feelings that they rule you. Or you got to be like the other guy who says, don't ask me what my feelings are. I don't, want it to, I, I don't know what they are. Either one of those isn't right. Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus wept when he looked and he saw that the people were like sheep without a shepherd. He was a tough guy. He was a strong guy, but he was a man who was also, he was so complete. So I, I want to come by this morning and I want to I release you in your manhood. It sounds funny to say it like that sometimes, but I, I want you to f recognize God endorsing you because the culture today does not endorse men for who they are. But God does. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, lead, stand, be a man. And I release you. That's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying. I release you in your manhood. So I'm going to come by. I'm just going to lay hands on you real quick. But I want you to, do, I want you to receive something today. I recognize, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I, I felt like God told me to do this in my church. I did it in my church. And, and men who were already men became better men. So, well, I don't know if I know anything about being a real man. Well, don't worry. God will teach you. And you don't have to feel like you have to put anything down. Who you are and who God made you is important. He made you the way you are on purpose. Are you ready? And before I do this, yes, sir. Before I do this, I want you to hear this. I'm not only releasing you and your man, I'm releasing this, the, the one in you, the warrior in you to stand and be strong. So I'm going to ask you in a minute, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to give me a good battle cry. Can you give a battle cry? Do you know what a battle cry is? This is a time when you don't have to be pretty. Battle cries aren't like, yay. You know, I, <laughs> I said, come on, guys, give me a battle cry in my church one day. And, and they went, Hallelujah. I don't know anybody on the battlefield goes, hallelujah. You know what they do? Ah! And their face looks distorted and mean, and, and it reminded me of, of uh, Mel Gibson. Freedom! I know those guys look pretty. I couldn't watch the whole show, but that was brutal. But... Uh, Here's the, here's the thing. is I'm going to ask you on a count of three. I want you to give a good shout. And the shout is about you breaking through something. So if you want to break through, uh, you, you go ahead and shout. I'm giving you license to scream like you never scream. You don't have to say amen or you don't have to. You could just be, it just be noise and that's okay. Don't be pretty about it. I don't want a little meow. We serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. The devil's around. He's walking around like a roaring lion, and he's trying to roar. He's trying to scare everybody, but he's not even a lion. He's like a roaring lion trying to fool everybody. 
the real lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, when he roars, the whole earth shakes. And so when we, he's our king, right? And so as kings, under our king, when we shout, something should shake. When we roar, something should shake. And I recognize it's like, it's like, uh, it's what I want you to expect. It's that when you do this, there'll be a release of something. Because I recognize with, with, uh, by the Holy Spirit, some of you, more than others, have been hemmed in and held in by the things of the enemy. And what's going to happen is it's like you've got these borders and these barriers and these walls around you and you can only move so much. What's going to happen is there's going to come a release to you. So much so that it'll be like just a big explosion all of a sudden and you're going to bust out of your box. I said, man, you're going to go to work tomorrow. They're going to feel liberty to not laugh at that dirty joke. They're going to feel liberty to stand up and say, this is what God told me today. They're going to feel liberty when they see somebody who's not well to take their hand and say, let me pray for you. They're going to see the the sick healed. They're going to see demons cast out. They're going to see people come to Christ. I'm going to celebrate the man in you. I'm going to celebrate the warrior in you. I'm going to celebrate who God made you to be, the strength that you have. So when we scream, when we yell, when we give our battle cry in just a minute, I'm expecting an enlargement on you. You ready? Are you expecting? Okay. Here we go. Remember, no little meow. We're going to roar. This is your chance to let it all out in front of the whole church. You don't have to be, you don't have to be, you know, David said, I'll be even yet more undignified. So this is your chance. You ready? Are you ready? I, I, I don't want you to be ready. Jonathan's playing louder. You're getting it. You feel it? Here we go. On the count of three, we're going to yell with everything we have. One. Two. Here's your battle cry. Three. What are you looking at me for? Ah! You think your battle's over? 
Sure it is. Christ won. But is our job of occupying till he comes? Is it done? No. Ah! Okay, some of you need to go to the gym, get a little more air so you can do that longer. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We're going to give one more shout. And when we do, on this time, I'm coming through, and I, I'm just going to go fast. I'm going to say something really quick, and I'm just going to say this. I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to say, I release you in your manhood. You watch. Some of you are going to be different. You're, never, you're not going to leave the same. You're going to leave different in Jesus' name. Okay? All right, ready? One, two, three, shout. I release you in your manhood. I release you in your manhood. I release you in your manhood. Don't stop, shout. Hallelujah. I release you in your manhood. 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 I release your manhood. I release you in your manhood in Jesus' name. I release you in your manhood. I release you in your manhood in Jesus' name. I release the man in you in Jesus' name. I release the man in you. I release you in your manhood. One, two, three, shout. In your manhood, I release you in your manhood. I release you in your manhood. I release you. You got a lot of men in this church. I like that. I release you in your manhood. 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 I release you. I release you in your manhood. I I release you now. I release you in that manhood. That manhood in Christ. I celebrate your manhood. I celebrate it. And I release you in Jesus' name. Be released in your manhood. Be released in your manhood. Be released in your manhood in Jesus' name. I declare over you, you're released in your manhood. You are released. You are released in your manhood in Jesus' name. Remember, real men are strong and they're tough, but they're also tender. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Let the warrior out. Don't hold back. Don't hold back anymore. When the world says, stop, you've gone too far, I hear God saying, come a little farther. Can I tell you a revelation I got one day? Gentlemen, look at me. Actually, everybody, look at, listen to this. If I never get to the end and have to come back, I'll never live up to my potential. Jonathan, I'll never live up to my potential if I don't go too far. It's like a dog on a leash. If he's got a 10-foot leash, he's got a 20-foot world. But if he only ever gets to three feet, he's going to live in six feet of world. He'll never live up to his potential. Sometimes you got to get out past. Have your leaders say, okay, come back. You went out a little too far. But sometimes you got to get past it just so you know where the line is so you can live up to your potential. I never had God fail me. 
in my giving. I've given sometimes more than I was supposed to. And, and, and I said, God, we gave. And he said, I never actually gave that. I, I've had him uh, like, but here's the thing about it is he said, but I'll, I'll still reward you. Now, I'm not saying you should give. Like, I've had so many opportunities to give, and, and I had God, so I'm not saying, but some things were not necessarily a command. It just came out of the inside of me. I just want to be a giver. And so God said to me one day, he said, it's not necessarily, you, you know, I just gave you that nature, and so you did it, and so I'm going to reward you for it anyway. Because you're just living out of the nature that I gave on the inside of you. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Maybe he would have told me to if I'd have asked him. Sometimes I don't ask. Maybe that was my fault. Was that my fault, Jesus? Anyway, you will never go too far in Jesus. Take risks. Christian faith is not supposed to be risk-free. Something about you, God saying, go ahead, step out. There's a risk. In today's culture, there's a risk. If I take somebody's hand and say, I want to pray for you. What if they say no? There's a risk. Take the risk. Be released in your manhood. And I declare there are mighty men here. Lloyd Minster. Okay, guys, go sit down. You, you got some? I just wanted to just uh, thank you for that. But I, I want to speak what I saw in the spirit when the men were up here. And, and uh, I, I believe some women can identify. When they gave that shout, did you not feel like that's our men? I, I'm not married to any of those men. I, my son was up here. But I'm saying it was the men of the house. And there was just this glory to God. And I believe there was a breakthrough in the spirit that there was a spiritual breakthrough. I believe so. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank our men because as many of you know, I greet you and I always say mighty man of valor, don't I? But I'm telling you, when you gave that shout... I, I wanted to shout too and say, that's our mighty men of valor. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I, I wanted to say this. I want you to know something. When I did, when I did that, when that shout came, I absolutely connect with what you're saying. I, I agree with what you said. Something released. There was, a, there was a breakout, a breakthrough, whatever you want to call it, that just happened in that moment. And I believe it's released something over your church. 
and I, I really do believe, and it, we could we could have one of the ladies come and release all the women and into godly womanhood and everything. And but I, I just I know that God told me to do this with the men because we're 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 really we're really hitting something in our culture when we do that. And I need to say this. I was not calling anything into you that was not already there. You have to, you have to see this. That as kingdom people, when, when you gave your life to Christ, the new creature in Christ that's on the inside of you, this was, this was not about something that wasn't there. It was about releasing and pulling down the bonds that were trying to hold you back. But they're not holding you back anymore. And I, I see a, how, how do I say that? Holy Spirit. Jonathan, uh, I, pray with me for a second. I'm, I'm searching for the right words. So I recognize in the spirit that while something happened today, that in the days ahead you'll begin to see a shift within. I, it has to do. Uh, Okay, there it is. It has to do with the authority in the house to expand the kingdom. I, I think it's... I, see, women naturally pick this up. If you watch women over the years, they, they go out, they get saved, and then they go out and pray for everybody. And they just want to... They, they just have this thing within them that responds to the kingdom of heaven. And it, it becomes a little more natural for them. But in our culture, in our society, men are dignified, they're stod, you know, they're, uh, well, I'm not going to. But there's a release that happened today that will release you to take the authority that you have. Is, am I saying that okay, Jonathan? Is that making sense to your spirit? Okay. So, uh, it's not something that wasn't there, but you are released in it today. So, take it with you wherever you go. Maureen, I wanted to just, can I pray for you real quick? You just stay there. It's okay. Father, I thank you for her, and I thank you that as she goes, you go with her. I pray for a, I, I connected with her when she was talking about this house being a place where you come and it's home. I'm praying, Father, as she gets there, she has a home there. And I pray for the place that you have for her there. And the victory that was won over her daughter will be continued as she goes. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. You never walk back. You go forward in him. I just pray you go with her, Jesus. And I thank you for the part of the family. And that the family goes on and you continue and you find her a new place in the family. In Jesus' name. We're part of the kingdom, folks part of the kingdom. I'm just listening. I'm 
just listening before I shut down. I don't want to disconnect too early. Too early, they say. You saw something? Uh, Jonathan? It's okay if she come. She saw something? It's not my house. I don't want to. I don't make the rules here. <laughs> you can't see through me? As a man were standing up here and I was just sitting at the back praying, whenever you, you men gave that shout, I, I saw bricks falling. And I, I saw the walls crumbling. But the, the really keen thing about the bricks was they just weren't falling in a, in a heap on the ground. They were exploding into dust, into fine dust as, as, as the walls fell. And I just, just wanted to share that. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I think I just saw, I, okay, I figured it out. I figured out what I was trying to say earlier. I just, I just connected with it. So you, you want this back? No. You, you got it? It was this. It was that what, what's going to happen right now, it's, it's, there's going to be a, an increase of the anointing. Remember, the anointing lifts the burdens and destroys the yoke. So expect an increase in the anointing in the house as a result of this. A supernatural flow increase to the anointing. Uh, so I would say this, uh, if anybody wants prayer or whatever, I'm, I'm free to pray with them. You can come on up or pray with you or whatever, but I give it back to you, Jonathan, however you want it to flow. God is so good, isn't he? Yes. Praise God. You know, um, one of the uh, um, best trumpet players in the world is a really solid worship leader, a guy named Phil Driscoll. Yeah. And sometimes I, I, I sat in a minister's conference one time when Phil was talking about music, and it was like sitting there thinking all these things you've never thought before about music. And then he, he began to talk about, it was interesting because he began to talk about Joshua and Jericho and the walls coming down. And he talked about the reason that the scripture tells us to shout at times. And he said, it is impossible to stay passive when you're shouting. It's literally impossible to stay passive when you're shouting. It's just you guys recognized it, right? Like, you can't. That's why it's awkward. Right? Because you're used to being passive. So someone makes you yell, and you have to give yourself to it. Right? You can't, like, be holding back, playing cool. You have you give it. You, you're, you're on board now. And uh, it's a powerful reason that every believer needs to shout. Because there's some things that just won't be broken until it can get broken first in you. There's a bubble in you that's got to get broken before the bubble around you gets broken. And uh, so Pastor Gary brought up a good point about whether we feel it or not. Thank God Jesus is Lord over me and he's Lord over my feelings. And I'm Lord over my feelings too. I don't, I don't let my feelings boss me around. I boss my feelings around. And uh, that's why the scripture says, I will rejoice. It doesn't say, I'll just feel like rejoicing. It says, no, I will. I choose to rejoice. And uh, so, thank God, things are breaking. And I believe that image that you saw, Trudy, is absolutely, absolutely smack on what, what God does. So, thank God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Gary, for ministering that powerful word from God. Thank God. Thank God for it. 
So what I took from that is that God's got a kingdom purpose. And I better get on board with his kingdom purpose. But in order for his kingdom purpose to be done in me and around me, I got to step into my place in the kingdom of God. Understand I've got a place. I've got a position. I've got some authority in the kingdom of God. Now he's my authority. King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, the son of God, son of man. He is my king. And he's called me to rule and reign with him. Thank God we're going to step into that. Amen. Man, what in the world? What in the world's bigger than that? Thank God. So as we're going to get ready to give, I'd like you to stand with me. We're going to pray. And uh, like Pastor Gary just graciously offered, and I believe it's a good thing. If there's anyone among you that, that needs some prayer, you need healing tonight, this morning, you need something, um, why don't you stick around? We're going to keep worshiping God. We... Um, after I pray, I'm going to dismiss you guys. You can go. But if you need prayer, stay here. We want to pray with you. We want to make sure that uh, you leave different than you came in Jesus' name. So, Father, we thank you for your good word. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the king over us. That your kingdom is uh, rapidly advancing and the violent will take it by force. We thank you, Lord, that there is a purpose for us. We're not just occupying space. No, we're occupying until you come. We're stepping into our place as a kingdom of priests, kings and priests to our God who will reign on this earth. So Lord, we thank you that you are revealing what that looks like and you're giving us the boldness and the grace to step out into it in Jesus name. I bless these people. We praise you and thank you that as they go out into their mission field, that they would uh, change the atmosphere that they inhabit, that, that, that as they walk into these spaces, darkness would be split, that eyes would be opened, that miracles would happen as they, as they walk through and and, uh, and and the very air that they're that they're occupying, the very space that they're in, would be changed because they're there. We bless you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>